title is Youth Development Coordinator, which means basically that I am a professional geek and spend a lot of time with young people, helping them explore science, learn to teach science, and learn it themselves. I studied chem chemistry at the undergraduate level and worked in laboratories for several years. Um, I really like the designing of the experiments, the exploring the experiments, the talking about them, but the years of repetitive tasks were not really my skill set. They didn't match what I love to do best. Um, and so after a few years of doing that, I decided to search for a career where I would get to do more of the explaining and the exploring. Um, and after working at a couple different museums and in schools, I figured out that that was working with young scientists, helping them figure out their own experiments, try new things, see things they'd never seen before, and learn all the skills around scientific reasoning and science exploration. So I am really interested and always have been in the nitty gritty of how the world works. You look out in nature, you look at this blue sky, you look at the leaves changing in the fall, whatever it is, and there's something going on that we can't see. And I always wanted to know what that was. Um, and I was kind of a know-it-all about it too. When I learned something, I told everybody what that was. I realized pretty fast that most of the way that we teach science in school is often a lot of learning and memorizing out of books. And that didn't really match up with my experience of what it was like to be a scientist in a professional setting or a research setting and that we needed more hands-on work and more scientists in the classroom actually experiencing the process of science with kids. Um, and so in the museums, it seemed to me a great opportunity. Most museums have laboratory classrooms, like the one we're sitting in right now, or they have demonstrations or live experiments. And so that's a really great place for lots of different people, kids, parents, families, whoever, to experience what experimental science looks like on the other side. It's fun. It's fun for me, it's fun for my students, and I think it really teaches something beyond the facts and figures that kind of drive science education in the classroom, which are really important to learn, but there's a moment where you are figuring something out for the first time, you're messing up and trying again, you're, you're driving through an experiment, and that perseverance, that discovery, and that kind of wow moment is something that you just really don't get outside of an experiment. And so getting to do that over and over and over again with lots of different learners, sometimes for the first time, is just too fun to quit. When I was in high school, I had a chemistry teacher who was really passionate about the process and about the thinking and about the figuring it out. Way beyond getting an A at a on the test, she wanted us to be able to work through the problem, do it independently, and kind of figure things out on a really deep level. And I'd never encountered that before, and it was addictive. Um, and so working with her and then working with teachers later on gave me kind of that insight into what it could be like and what it should be like for every student. And so I really think that got me on my, got me on my way. I teach a couple of our classes, inclu including a chemistry class for upper elementary students, so fourth and fifth grade. And sometimes when we're done, they're like, wait, is being a chemist really about lighting stuff on fire? and?" dissolving things in chemicals, and I'm like, yeah, it totally is, and they get really excited. And even more than that, they get excited that they can make predictions and figure stuff out that they've never ever seen before. Without memorizing, without kind of diving deep or having to know all the book learning, they get to use their reasoning skills. And when they get to do that, sometimes, yeah, they come out on the other side going, this is what I'm going to do. Thinking about any science, especially chemistry, as just one narrow band is not really how it is once you get beyond school. So you take a chemistry class and that's all you're learning and you're learning just chemistry. But when you get out into a professional setting or even just kind of exploring the world around you, chemistry is in your kitchen, it's in your bathroom, it's in your grocery store, it's in your doctor's office, and it's everywhere outside. So 
don't limit yourself to just what you think it is. Keep doing experiments, keep exploring, keep asking what makes things tick. And that's at the core of what science and of what chemistry, which Kevin's called a central science, we think it's very important, is everywhere. Um, so keep asking questions and then always be ready to dive a little deeper. If something is interesting to you, I bet you that there's a really cool reason or way you can understand it just underneath the surface. I'm Karen Wilkinson and I'm the director of the Tinkering Studio here at the Exploratorium. My main focus is to really help people see that the world is tinkerable. I know that sounds like a big lofty goal, but I, I, um, I want to offer folks an opportunity to come and in, uh, interact with phenomena and kind of develop an idea of their own and then kind of bring that idea into fruition. If you could do a Venn diagram that had kind of art, science, and technology right where they overlap, that is the sweet spot to me. So a way to bring in thinkers, whether you're an educator, a scientist, or an artist, you know, anybody is welcome to come, but some people want to do it for their job or their hobby or something that they want to do a little bit more than just a Saturday afternoon visit or something like that, and we're always interested in meeting people like that. So undergraduate work was environmental design, kind of thinking about those things in museums. I started working in museums, created that detention center space. I had all of this, what I called data at the time, I didn't know what I was doing, but we were videotaping kids in these spaces and it felt like something important was happening there. So I read a book by Eleanor Duckworth uh, called The Having of Wonderful Ideas. And she uh, was a professor at the Ed School at Harvard, so I wanted to, I was not a very good student, and wrote and said, I was really moved by this book. I've had these experiences with these kids that I've been working with in Minneapolis. I feel like there's something there. Not sure what the next step would be, but I would love to come and talk to you. Made the trip out to Boston and felt like I had to go to school there. So I went for learning and teaching in educational technology uh, for graduate work. And then got introduced to computer science and sort of one thing leads to another and then you end up, I guess, in the STEM field. <laughs> My, my best advice, I think, would be to start with something that they really enjoy doing and then kind of doing a little bit of research to, to find out more. And my favorite example of this is Ji Chi. She was just in residency with us a few weeks ago. So she is a computer scientist at the Media Lab at MIT and got there because she really loved playing with paper and cutting paper, if you can believe this. So, she would do that as a hobby, kind of on the side, but now that is part of her graduate work. She's turned a love of kind of arts and crafts and doing traditional crafting techniques and then putting technology uh, on top of it, layering it essentially. So she's come up with something called circuit stickers that take electronics and, and turn them into circuits. So she essentially um, take, turns them into circuit stickers. So she's essentially um, you would build a, a pop-up card or some kind of craft project and then be able to insert these circuit stickers into your project. So it could light up when you turn a page or pull a tab or change color or, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing actually. Do what you love. And look for others who are, who are, who are doing things, maybe not even the same thing, but connected. Uh, my name is Julie Yu and I'm a staff scientist and director of the Teacher Institute here at the Exploratorium. My main job here is to run a program that provides professional development for middle and high school math and science teachers. 
but like all of the scientists on staff, I provide content support for exhibits, programs, publications, anything that needs to be done here that has to do with science, which fortunately is a lot. Right out of college, I was a middle school teacher myself. And after teaching, I went back to graduate school in engineering. I got my PhD and I came back here to do a postdoc in science education because this was the place that combined all of the things I loved in science and still education. To get to this point, my undergraduate degree was in chemical engineering and that prepared me to teach. I taught middle school, so that was definitely enough content background, but I needed all of the other skills that a teacher needs and the Exploratorium helped me gain some of those. I went back to school because I wanted to learn biology because I didn't learn much as a chemical engineer so I did research in biomedical engineering but my degree there is also chemical engineering. And after that I wrote a grant to do a postdoc and that led me back here to the Exploratorium. So we're really lucky to have a number of PhD level scientists and educational researchers on staff here at the museum. The idea of teaching someone how to do something I think is one of the greatest gifts you can give anyone. So it was definitely something I wanted to do for at least a little while, if not my whole career. And I'm happy now that even though I'm not in the classroom, I do feel like I'm affecting change in schools and helping teachers do an incredibly challenging job. Whatever you're interested in doing, I think you should pursue it. And if that turns out to be science, it'll lead you down a certain path. If it turns out to be teaching, it'll lead you down another one. And those two paths might just join back together as they did for me. I'm Christina Yu and I'm a biologist at the Exploratorium. I actually um, am the director of the um, Living Systems Group, which is the biology laboratory. Um, I'm a biologist at large and I also oversee the direction of um, the biology program, more or less, and um, kind of give direction to the work that we do in our biology laboratory. I was in graduate school for a while. Um, I was studying um, cell cycle uh, regulation, so how cells know when to divide, basically. Um, and I did a lot of microscope work. Um, I, I asked a lot of questions that you need to use a microscope to answer. Um, and I realized I, I like doing science. I like the craft of science. I liked working with my hands. I liked the, the aesthetics and the images that you produced. Um, I wasn't too keen on the academic lifestyle that I saw my professors leading. Um, so um, after I finished my PhD, I saw an opening um, for a microscopist, someone to run the microscope project here at the Exploratorium, and that was a perfect match for what I was interested in. So I did my um, bachelor's in molecular cell and developmental biology. Um, I started out at UCSD and then I transferred to UC Santa Cruz. And then um, I started a master's program at UC Santa Cruz in the same department, and stuck around for the PhD. <laughs> so um, yeah, so my doctorate is in um, cell biology, basically. I really liked being able to peer, you know, it's like the opposite of a telescope. You're, you're looking down into this little world and it's, it's there, but the only way you can see it is if you've got a microscope, right? And, um, and it's just this amazing dynamic world. And what really kind of got me was that you know you're looking at these cells under the microscope and they're doing these amazing things and then you realize it's happening in your body all the time constantly and it works like billions of times and it's amazing and that it's very similar in from one organism to the next like the real basics are kind of the same you know 
um, it's and it's really visual, um, which I really liked. There's a there's an aesthetic aspect to it that I found really appealing. And you're you know you're answering fundamental questions about life too. Just keep exploring, and there, there's all anything magnified is amazing, right? So you, you can apply it to you know biology or you know geology or physics or um, you know engineering, um, and and microscopy these days is really computational and people are making these crazy custom microscopes all the time so you know don't be afraid to get in there and be your own engineer and make your own hack your own thing <laughs> so so the more the more of that you know don't be afraid of the hardware cuz cuz that's you're you're making the toys for yourself basically I'm the volunteer program manager here at Chabot which basically means I work with all the adult and teen volunteers and teach them how best to teach science to our visitors. I got involved in science as a volunteer. I always had an interest in animals, so I started at the San Francisco Zoo in their teen volunteer program. Um, when I went off to college, I majored in biology and minored in education because I, I knew I enjoyed teaching. And when I did a, one of my classes involved coursework in, in a classroom. I worked with a high school history teacher and one day I helped her proctor an exam at which a student walked in, wrote her name at the top of the paper, put her head down on the desk and went to sleep. Wow. And that's when I realized I didn't want to work in formal education, didn't want to work in a school. And so I ended up, my whole career has been in informal science education at various zoos and animal organizations and now here at Chabot. My dad was in computers actually at the onset of the, com the computer industry. And so I grew up around science. I grew up around technology. I grew up with the latest and greatest excitement going on right, right under my nose. And so that definitely made it not so scary. I had the experiences at the San Francisco Zoo, which I'll be honest, started out a lot of it socially in that a lot of my friends were doing it and I made more friends in the program, so it was fun. And through doing it, I realized I loved it and wanted to, to pursue that as a career. And that's kind of the experience I want to give to my volunteers here. Provide them with a social experience and make it fun to learn about science and then pass that excitement about science on to our visitors. I think I just love seeing the reactions people get when they, when they get turned on to science. I love seeing a kid who hasn't been exposed to it all that much or has maybe had negative associations with science and show them the fun parts of science. You know, I worked with animals. Here I'm working with space giving people the fun part of science that's not in a classroom staring at a blackboard and really having them get excited about it. That, that's really fun for me. We're lucky we don't have to worry about the standardized tests. We don't have to worry about the science standards. We can pick and choose our subject matters. But I think within any subject matter, you can find the exciting parts. Make it relevant. Make it important to your everyday lives. And you can find the fun in any, and I think in any aspect of science. A lot of finding the hands-on way of doing it, instead of lecturing science, but rather demonstrating science and helping people discover science, I think makes it a lot more exciting. There are so many options out there. I guess that's my advice. There are so many options out there. Most people think if you want to work with animals, you have to be a veterinarian. If you want to work in space, you have to go work at NASA. If you want to work in education, you have to work in a school. No one talks about all the other opportunities that there are out there. And there are so many opportunities. So if you have a passion for science but are not so into the formal paths that you think are laid out for you, there are other options.
I'm in the visitor experience department, and that is everything that the visitor would experience when they're here. Events, exhibits, education, all of it. Um, and so I have been working on creating community projects where we bring art and the stories of science up to Chabot. Um, I started uh, to look at science and the way that we think about science when I was in school. Um, I studied the history and philosophy of science. I really was thinking about how science affects us and how we tell the stories of science and change because of that. I started looking at literature. I loved to read. So I, and I, I was thinking about the stories that we were telling about ourselves and nature and why would we use specific words or um, why would we, it was particularly about women at the time, why would we use this terminology to talk about women and the way that they do things and female parts of flowers in you know, so I was really examining what is the language that we use around that and why, and then what are the stories we tell. So I focused on science, mostly. So I moved from literature over to the history of science. My professors in college, when I was doing my PhD work, they were very open to different ways of thinking, um, and they were focused on looking at the way that people in different, within different histories looked at science. Um, women was a focus of mine, obviously, and Eastern and Western philosophy. So they were really talking about very different ideas of what we are and why we think the way that we do. And that opened me up to a whole world of, of uh, reading and talking about different things. And it was really uh, exciting at that time. They say, well, how did you get to your job? And you like books and literature. And why are you in a science museum? And yeah, But it's stories. And this is about the stories that we tell about the world. and. I think that that's a really important topic for me because when you look at the story and you look at it very closely, you understand that it is a story. And there are things that are very real in that story, but there are also all these different interpretations. Um, there are people who come to science through art, there are people who come to science through literature, like me, and there are people who just love straight science or math. And there are so many ways to come into it and to bring your unique perspective. And that was a wonderful part of this for me. I've worked here for almost nine years now, and I can see that there are so many different kinds of kids who love learning about science and seeing science, and I think uh, that it is just that, what I said. It's so important to understand that your unique perspective is not only valid, but it's so important to the science that we're going to do and the world that we're going to create in the future through science. It needs all of these creative thinkers and different kinds of thinkers. Um, girls are, are particular kinds of thinkers, but because they're individuals. It's not just that you're a girl, you're an individual and you're unique, and whatever it is that you're passionate about, you're going to bring that to what you're studying. So focus on that, whatever it is that you love and you feel excited about, and it will lead you to different things. I am the lead flight director here at Chabot Space and Science Center, and I take uh, fifth, ages fifth grade and higher to, on simulated missions to Mars. During my master's, I had an internship at a museum, and I kind of fell in love with working at kids at museums, and I just really wanted to get involved in it. And I started working down at the front desk here at Chabot Space and Science Center and fell in love with this program and just was fighting really hard to get into here because I just think it's a really great learning tool for kids. 
My undergrad is in history, and uh, during that I did some archaeological work, and then I was really into diving and wanted to um, do, do some more with that. So I went to school in Australia. I got my master's in uh, underwater archaeology, and I studied uh, underwater World War II aircraft. So. Maritime history and maritime archaeology. Um, is the history of not is not necessarily the the written history of the more aristocratic history that we know in the past. We could to unravel facts about history of more common man, which is what I was really interested in doing. And so it's kind of the using different scientific methods to uncover the past. There was one professor when I was doing my undergrad that really got me interested in um, real people's history or, you know, common people's history, which we don't have a lot of because the written record is so based on the arist aristocrats and what they, what their histories were and the written word. And so uh, learning about archaeology and what archaeology is and how it uncovers the past based on the physical remains that we are able to uncover means that we can kind of find those types of histories from, from common people. And so it was kind of that transition of falling in love with that type of history and then also having things in my personal life which I was into, including diving, that kind of transitioned me in from doing history over to archaeology. Here in the Challenger Learning Center, the Challenger um, accident, which happened, incident, which happened in 18, 1986, uh, was a big tragedy to the space program. And after uh, the whole crew lost their lives, the families bonded together to create these learning centers throughout the country. And this is one of a uh, little less than 50 centers throughout the world that take kids on these simulated missions to Mars. It's, the idea is that they are going to inspire the next generation of astronauts and space explorers and really just get children interested in STEM. So that is what we do here. How the missions work, for the most part, we take school groups on these missions. They are about two and a half hours long. We have, we split the group in two. We have the uh, spacecraft astronauts, and then we have mission controllers. Um, for our Mars missions, we call them Mars controllers. And they work together in teams. Everybody has a mission, uh, a job. Everyone has a different station that they work at but they all work together as a team in order to land the spacecraft on Mars, build a probe to send to one of the moons of Mars, and then create a crew exchange and send the, um, the astronauts who have been on Mars back to Earth. Um, I particularly like inspiring some of the young females to get involved with STEM and really think about that as, as a future for them. It is really awesome for them to have an opportunity to work with something and be in control of their own station, which they've never probably had before. They usually have somebody helping them through things. And so the way we really work here is they are in charge and they're doing their station. It is their job to have a successful mission. And it gives them a sense of ownership on what they're doing. And almost at the end of every mission, they all come out feeling very proud of what they have accomplished and really you know, can see those career paths or see those subjects as something that can be interesting and not just 
work for them. Because we tell them that like, you've been working this whole time you've been here, but it's also really fun. And so it's kind of that type of experience that I, I found very fulfilling. I've had kids come up to me and just hug me after the missions, which is amazing after two and a half hours being with them. And we, you know, we try to, at the end of each mission, say, hey, you know, like, you know, you can see the International Space Station fly over and like all these things are like, oh, you know, like they had no idea and their parents have no idea. And you just see like it light up in their eyes and they just get really excited about it. So even if it's not something that, you know, inspires them for their whole life, you could see that it inspires them to think outside the box of what they might have only conceptually thought of as a STEM career or STEM opportunities. My advice is, at, is always ask questions. If you want to do something, you absolutely can. There is nothing hindering you. You just have to be strong. You have to keep fighting for what you want to do and just keep asking questions, including what do I need to do in order to accomplish that? There are always people who want to help you. You need to seek that help and continue to just work for what you want. Yes, Rachel Berggren. I am the Director of Education and Guest Experience. I oversee uh, a team of educators and we're responsible for planning, designing, and implementing all of the educational experiences that, that happen here at the center. So I have an undergraduate degree in marine biology and a graduate degree in biology, uh, but I'm the Director of Education. So. I actually didn't have any formal training in education, um, which isn't true for um, everybody in this field. Um, some people do have uh, a background or an educational path in, in the field of education, uh, but I took sort of a different path and really focused on the sciences, and then through my career path um, gained the experience and credentials that I needed to, to lead an education team. When I was in graduate school, I was actually pursuing um, or doing field research um, and uh, was working on a really cool project that took me into the field, um, brought me back, put me in the lab, so I had to sit in front of a computer and crunch data, um, but it, it took me away from my family and it also um, wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I had a strong desire and an affinity to work with people more. Uh, so through graduate school, I also had some opportunities to do some teaching. So I was a teaching assistant, um, as a lot of graduate students are, um, and discovered that I really, really enjoyed that and enjoyed the interactivity with um, with students and fellow uh, fellow graduate students, and of course with the professors and and planning the material that we were going to be covering. Um, and then I had some opportunities to do some other informal education. So things like presenting research to elder hostel groups or summer camp groups or kids that might be visiting the campus for various reasons and discovered that I really, really enjoyed that. And um, so found myself looking for more opportunities to do that kind of work and not so much <laughs> wanting to be sitting in front of the computer um, doing data analysis. Even though um, you know, I'm not doing the, um, the field research or um, you know, acting in sort of a more, what you might traditionally think of as a marine biology type role, um, 
it's still my passion. I'm still really passionate about the content, about the science, about um, the discoveries that are be ma being made every day, um, the things that we're learning here um, that our researchers and our uh, veterinary um, science staff are, you know, those things that they're involved in. So I still get really jazzed about it and I wanna be involved, um, but, but what I bring to it and what I, what I bring to it is um, an interest in how do we take this information and translate it and make it relatable and relevant to everybody. So not just those who are technically inclined or you know really geek out about the science, but um, you know to everybody because these are questions, the questions that we're posing and the things that we're, we're finding out really do matter to all of us. And so that's where my sort of sweet spot is, is and where I get really excited about is um, you know, having that background in the science, um, which I'm really passionate about, but then, you know, this other passion to, to, bring it to bring it to the people. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Illinois in a small farm community. Um, I, I, I don't know, I kind of just had this aha moment or a little bit of an epiphany. I think I might have been working on a project for, you know, biology class or something. I had a fantastic biology teacher in high school and I credit a lot to him um, for keeping me interested in the field. And I think I just sort of discovered there was this thing called marine biology. And I was like, oh, well, I, I really like biology and, and the marine thing really inspires me. And I wonder if I could put those together and do something with it. And that's what I did. You know, I think there were Certainly, I picked up a lot of books, and so there were a lot of particularly, uh, you know, women scientists and role models. So um, Sylvia Earle was someone that I, I read a lot of her stuff, and Eugenie Clark um, were both, are, well, Sylvia Earle is still living, Eugenie Clark just passed away, um, and they were and are um, pioneers in marine science and particular on their own right without even being women they're just you know uh, gender regardless of gender they're both um, amazing pioneers in the field you know follow your passion and your interests even if you don't know what you want to do with that passion or that interest in that you know content area whatever it might be um, one of the things I, I, I tell students all the time is you know, you could be, you could have a background in, in brain biology and be a photographer, you could be an artist, you could be a performance, you know, artist, you could um, be, a, you know, a, finan a financier, you know, I mean, even at the Marine Mammal Center, we have, uh, have people who have to do all of those things that are, um, you know, um, maybe you're interested in public relations or, or marketing, but still having a background you know, and having the, um, the foundation um, knowledge that you would need to really um, thrive and contribute to an organization like the Marine Mammal Center, um, you know, the possibilities are, are endless. So just follow that passion. And then I would also say, get as many experiences as you possibly can. So don't put yourself in a box. Don't think that just because I'm studying marine biology or whatever field that I have to follow a prescribed path or do the things that you think you're supposed to do. And I fell into that trap a little bit. And so if I could do it over again, there are probably a lot of different things that I would have done differently and I wouldn't have um, 
limited myself to the things that I thought I was supposed to do to be successful in this field. I would have tried a lot of different things. Um, so that's what I'm trying to instill in my own kids is, you know, take that little nugget of a passion and, you know, and, and, and take it someplace and do something with it, but don't, don't limit yourself. My name is Dr. Claire Simeone. I went to veterinary school at Virginia Tech okay. and I went to undergraduate at the University of Maryland. We had, um, we had a couple of classes in wildlife and exotic studies, but the majority of the learning occurs um, either in your last year or after uh, your degree at places like the Marine Mammal Center. I've been at the Marine Mammal Center for about two years. Beforehand, I was in San Diego. Um, I worked at SeaWorld San Diego and with the Navy Marine Mammal Program. You know, I always had an interest in working with wildlife and uh, I love the ocean. Um, I worked more with uh, terrestrial wildlife, so with, uh, for instance, the California Condor Program um, down in San Diego, but I uh, fell in love with marine mammals and, and uh, I'm really enjoying working here. The majority of our patients are seals and sea lions. Um, we see California sea lions, harbor seals, elephant seals, and fur seals, and then we'll occasionally uh, respond to a stranded dolphin or whale. I work with uh, the Marine Mammal Center and also with National Marine Fisheries Service, and so I do quite a bit of field work traveling to Alaska um, or Hawaii with our endangered Hawaiian monk seals. Um, but then when I'm a clinician here at the Marine Mammal Center, then I mainly work with our patients on site. I, um, I had a lot of wonderful mentors growing up and, and sort of every step of the way has, uh, has I've had a, a wonderful mentor. Um, it started from you know, science teachers in middle school um, to volunteering for veterinarians who really guided me and taught me. And uh, I was very lucky to have great uh, role models, um, not just women, um, that, uh, women and men that, that were really practicing great medicine and were great teachers. I, I found, I kept in touch with some of my old mentors, um, but, I, uh, but I found some new ones in vet school and then beyond that as well. And, and I still have wonderful mentors, uh, new mentors here at the center. Um, and uh, hopefully now I'm, I'm able to mentor um, some people that are up and coming as well. You should absolutely go for whatever your passion is. Um, you know, there are, people often say that there are very few jobs in wildlife or uh, it's, it's a tough career to get into, um, but uh, with, with perseverance and, and a true passion for it, um, there are mentors all along the way that, that can help you with that. And so really um, find somebody that you admire um, and, and either ask them what they do or, uh, or you know, copy them and, uh, and, and try to do what they do um, because there, there's definitely a need um, for, uh, for people, for young people to, to get into this field to, to really save our oceans and save our species. I'm Laura Petacolis and I work at the Space Sciences Laboratory. Um, I'm a physicist by training and I direct the education group here at the Space Sciences Labs. Our education name is Multiverse. So when I was pretty little, I had this teacher who came in, and a substitute teacher, and he came in and he had all these NASA things and, um, and taught us all these. And I, I turned to my friend and I said, well, I'm going to be an astronomer. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I went to... Uh, and then I went to middle school and got a lot of support and took physics and astronomy and had a really good time and that started my path. In high school I took a career development class and um, so in the aptitude section sure enough astronomy showed up so I was like yay! 
Um, but to do well in that class, you had to go interview people who were in the profession that you wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. So I went to astronomers and actually interviewed them, which mm -hmm. is very intimidating. Yeah. But um, one of the astronomers said, well, you should study physics first because physics is the basis of astronomy. And then the next astronomer said, you shouldn't f study physics at all because women can't do physics. Said that to yes. you? Yes. Wow. And he said, you know, you're just going to disappoint yourself. And then he goes, but if you want to, you could try. So I got my physics degree. <laughs> so boo on him. Yes. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Never let anyone tell you and not. Exactly. I agree with that. Um, and then the last guy I interviewed said, um, do you like math? And I said, oh, yeah, I, I love math. Like, I used to do little math problems and stuff. And um, he said, good, that's all I do all day. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so, I, so what I did is I studied physics in college because I was following, like, that was a very influential moment because right. it was like these three people who, you know, gave me their advice. One, I decided to rebel against <laughs> because I had a lot of good support. Um, yeah around me. But they could have been devastating, I think, that moment. But luckily, the other two were like, yeah, you should do it. So um, so I basically got a math and physics degree in undergraduate. So my graduate degree is in physics. Mm -hmm. And um, I studied, I used a, um, I, well, I did some really cool things. But for, the, for my actual degree, so what was interesting um, is that I was studying something very specific for my degree, but then I also got to play with some of the other groups. Mm -hmm. So what I was studying was um, how the electrons kind of propagate through the atmosphere to make the light. Oh, wow. So just like a fluorescent light bulb, you sh basically the electricity shoots electrons through the gas up there and makes it glow. Mm -hmm. That's what happens with the aurora borealis. And so I created a computer program that um, that studied that, took the, the physics equations and turned that into a, a, something on my computer that I could study. So wow. the computer became my lab space. And then I was at the, in Alaska, so I could go out and compare my, what I was finding on the computer with what was happening outside. Remember the satellite I was mm -hmm. telling you about? So the folks who, who put together the scientific instruments for that satellite are located here okay. at this lab. And so I had already been working with some of the data that was coming from that satellite and kind of knew their system. And so I came here to then work more with the satellite data. And then I had all the camera data. Mm -hmm. So I kind of continued some of the work that I did when I was there. And then while I was doing that, some of the folks who were studying Mars and Mars's atmosphere heard my talks. And they said, you know, that might be ha you might have aurora on Mars. And why don't you come and look wow. at the data we have and start looking at that? So I did some also some research on the Mars Mars atmosphere, and then I also was really interested in education. And there's an education group here at the lab, and so um, I started working with them too and doing teacher workshops and um, reviewing their websites for you know when the aurora the aurora content is correct and stuff like that. You can decide to become a physicist all the way up till high school uh, till college. There is a, a researcher here. Um, who does amazing work, and she didn't know she wanted to be a physicist. She, I think she thought she was going to be in, like a historian. And then she came here to Cal and took physics classes and was like, 
this is cool <laughs> and changed her major and went that way so oh, wow. so that can happen um, but it's much more it's much easier to go into physics if you kind of know it in middle or high school um, and then you take um, you know you make sure you take your math classes and even if it's not easy for you you work through it and make you know like eventually people will you'll get it you right. know like just a matter of hard work and then um, start taking you know the chemistry and physics and basically as many different science. science classes as possible there will always be two voices that you hear throughout your journey in life right you'll hear people say um, you can't do it and you'll hear people say of course you can mm -hmm. and I think what really helped me was to start blocking out the you can't do it and letting it amplifying the of course you can and making that you know going to places on the internet where it's positive and inspirational and of course you can you know because right. life's hard and it's <laughs> not an easy you know whatever path you take is hard and that's the same with physics and math and you know I, it, with art it's hard and with you know like every path you take has these challenges but I think what I the advice I would give is find people who support you and want you to succeed and work for them, yeah. <laughs> hang out with them, do things for them, <laughs> you know, so that you get that. And because I had that here at the Space Sciences Lab, you know, so they really mentored me. Like those mentors are so important. And sometimes you have to really look hard to find them, right. you know. So I think that's one. And then also there's some great stuff on the internet. Like you can let the internet mentor you if you stay away from the, you know, bad stuff and the stuff that says things are nasty and awful and you go towards the really positive stuff.